your ability to take care of yourself is going to directly impact your level of decision-making, your effectiveness as a leader, and ultimately how successful your organization is. I'm Michael Mogul, founder and CEO of Crisp, the nation's number one law firm growth company. I've built my business through practice, not theory. Crisp started with just $500 to my name and has grown to over eight figures in revenue over the last few years, earning a spot on the Inc. 500 list of the fastest growing private companies in America. Our approach has been to take everything we've learned about generating massive growth within our own organization and help the country's most ambitious and committed law firm owners do the same for theirs. In each episode of this podcast, I sit down with innovative market leaders from the legal industry and beyond to learn from those who thrive in the face of adversity, challenge the status quo, and define what it means to be a true game changer. This is Jessica, head of coaching strategy at Crisp, and today we're flipping the script for another special edition episode to get Michael's take on why taking care of yourself is crucial for long-term success as a leader, how to create an environment that supports healthy habits, and why physical and mental fitness can be the ultimate display of personal achievement. When you see somebody who is, let's say, in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and they are physically and mentally fit, that to me is the ultimate flex. It's not a Ferrari or a Lamborghini or any of this bullshit. If I see somebody who is like physically and mentally fit, that is such a flex because you can't buy it. You have to earn it. That's what's coming up on the Game Changing Attorney podcast. Welcome to another AMMA, Ask Michael Mogul Anything. I'm here with my co-host, Jessica. I feel like it's been a minute, but we got some good questions. So for those of you that are joining us for the first time, we really do three types of episodes on this podcast. We've got our interviews that we bring in experts from the legal industry and beyond. Those typically take place on Tuesdays. And then we've got our Encore Editions, which are episodes that have been some of our most popular over the years, over the last several years that we bring back, and those can take place on Thursdays. And then finally, our AMAs. You're listening to it right now. You guys submit the questions. We answer them. I never really know what the questions are ahead of time. I prefer not to know because I think it gives more candid answers. So I'm excited with the questions we've got today, Jessica. Let's get started. All right. Yes, you do tend to do your best work with the unknown and at the last minute. Can't relate. All right. So first up, we have, let's see, after a challenging 2022, we saw you made a serious commitment to personal health and wellness. Can you talk a little bit about the transformation that you've seen in your leadership and performance and decision-making since prioritizing your own wellness? So this is an interesting question. So for people who don't have context on this, coming into this year, I made a commitment to really emphasize and focus on my health and fitness. And this came about as really a direct consequence of how we finished the previous year, which was phenomenal financially, but health-wise, I got blood labs done. I was not in a good place health-wise. I mean, for the last 10 years, we've been going crazy in terms of just really pushing ahead with the business, which has been great on so many fronts. But as, you know, I was turning, I think last year, what, I turned 37, and I looked at that. It wasn't absolutely terrible, but I don't know that you should ever look at your life and say, well, this is not terrible, and that could be a barometer for just acceptable performance. So it was not optimal by any means. And around that time, I think in many ways, this is like a privilege of solving certain challenges. If you solve like a financial challenge, you solve the business challenge, it would say money does not become the most important thing. What I've seen with a lot of business leaders is once they solve the money problem, then they start to gravitate towards, let me focus on my health and wellness and longevity. To a degree, this could be a very unrelatable podcast to some people because they will look at this as a luxury. But what I've learned first and foremost is that 
your ability to take care of yourself is going to directly impact your level of decision-making, your effectiveness as a leader, and ultimately how successful your organization is. And I used to not really understand that. I thought I could just work hard. doesn't matter if I'm stressed out. doesn't matter if I am taking care of myself physically and mentally. The business will still press on. But as I look today, when I look at a lot of leaders that I respect and a lot of organizations that I respect, one of the things that I can appreciate about them the most is their level of longevity and their ability to sustain a certain level of high performance over years at a time. So growing a business is very much a marathon and not so much a sprint. And I've seen a lot of business leaders that start strong and then they hit a point of either burnout or exhaustion and they're not able to maintain the same level of performance that got them to where they are today. So they kind of exist for the years that come. They're kind of like deflated. You could see the soul sucked out of them. I mean, they're just going through the motions and they wonder, why is my business not growing? Why am I not engaged? Why am I not excited? So for me, the thought, especially at the end of 2022, I've spent a lot of time thinking about how do I set myself up in a way where I want to do this forever and that I can remain excited and that I can remain engaged and that our best days are always going to be ahead of us and not behind us. So I think that was really the catalyst behind a lot of that transformation. I also had a lot of colleagues of mine that were middle-aged and they were struggling. They, you know, they were getting diagnosed with different types of health issues and they were not able to be active and engaged with their families. They had a lot of regrets. The expression is that the person that's healthy has a million wishes and the one who's unhealthy only has one. So I looked at that and I said, well, how do I learn from this and start being proactive health-wise? Also, at the beginning of last year of 2022, I went on a sabbatical. So not a lot of people know about this. And Jessica, this is very much as a thank you to you. I'd always had this dream, this goal of like one day going off into the wilderness or wherever and just disappearing for a month straight, cutting off from just society, internet, social media, and bringing all the books that we buy on Amazon that we don't always read immediately and then bringing a journal and just being there and just being at peace. And I was fortunate to be able to do that. I learned a lot through that experience. I was able to really focus on my health. I was able to focus on just journaling and reading and, and just really thinking, which kind of set out the goals for the start of last year. While I was on that sabbatical, I kind of laid out the goals for the next three to five years over CRISP. And a lot of the things that we would go on to do, even like the big summit that we did last year at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, came as a result of certain decisions that I made while I was on that sabbatical. But then you get back from the sabbatical, and as restored as you are, you get right back into what you were doing and the speed and the velocity of what you've got going on and the phones ringing, you had emails and slacks and everything coming in and all that progress that you make, whether you go on vacation or whether you go on a month long sabbatical, all that progress was undone. So the thought at the end of last year was like, well, what if I didn't have to go on a sabbatical every 10 years to restore myself? What if I could just live in a state of existence where one, I didn't have to go on a sabbatical, but I could have the sabbatical life all the time. Now, again, this is going to be a very unrelatable podcast and there's going to be people that are listening. They're going to say, this must be nice and I can't do that. And it sounds like very privileged. And it is, without a doubt, it is. And over the last 10, 11 years, us working 24-7, 365, coming in every single weekend, coming in every single holiday has enabled us to be able to do things today that we previously could not do. 100%, yes. no question. And by the way, everything I'm about to talk about does not work if you don't have a great team in place, if you don't have great leaders in place, and if you don't have people that are capable of being able to lead and grow your organization day in and day out. You can't just disappear, come back, and expect for the organization to grow. That's kind of the caveat. So to answer your question in the most long-winded way, I mean, I made the decision that at the end of last year, we we're laying out certain non-negotiables that, number one, I didn't want to take any meetings until noon. So I wanted to be able to come in and my first meetings, anything that I needed to do would be at noon, which meant that from the morning where I would wake up up until noon, that that would be time for me. And that could be time for things like, I don't really love the term self-care, but things relating to health, 
fitness, taking our daughter's school, all the things that I wanted to be able to do and focus on myself and then dealing with everything at the office. So that was number one. Also being able to block out that time meant that we would give certain people levels of autonomy and allow our leaders to be able to function autonomously. And we can get into the routine if people are interested, but basically we fast forward now six months of doing this. First, I felt tremendously guilty. How could I come in at this hour, right? I was used to coming in, like being the first one in, come in, it's like 7 a.m. And now you're coming in at noon. So your work week in some ways is shorter because I would still finish around like six o'clock. But we fast forward six months, we had our best first quarter, we had our best second quarter in the history of the company. We're doing better than ever. And it's amazing. So there's a lot of things that I attribute that to just getting out of the way is one, having great leaders in place is another thing. But also my competency, my level of decision making has improved significantly because I spent a lot of time reading, thinking, journaling, just really being able to give myself time to think about kind of the vision of the organization, the strategy behind the organization. Because when you really look at what are the most impactful things that you can do as a leader, it comes back to your decisions and the quality and the caliber of the decisions you're able to make. You make the right decisions, you move the organization forward. You make the wrong decisions, even if they're micro decisions. We make you know, dozens, if not hundreds of decisions a day, and they're all weighted differently. And there's always going to be key decisions you make every single year, whether you hire somebody, whether you fire somebody, whether you invest in an initiative, whether you don't invest in an initiative, whatever that decision might be, that if you make the right decision, it moves you forward exponentially. And if you make the wrong decision, sometimes don't even realize it at the time, but a series of wrong decisions keeps you stuck or moves you backwards. So if you look at how can I set myself up as a leader to make the best decisions possible, it requires you to be in a certain state where you're refreshed mentally, where you're focused, you're restored, you're feeling good, you've got clarity, you've got confidence. And if you can protect those things, you can be a much, much better leader. So that's what I've seen play out over the last six months. It's been absolutely amazing. I understand it's also very much a privilege to be able to do these things, but I would advocate that if you're a leader listening to this, what could be more important than you being able to take care of yourself mentally and physically and make the best decisions for your organization to set everybody up for success? Absolutely. And I'll actually echo a little bit of what you said there because I have boots on the ground a little bit more than you do still. And we actually joke that we prefer sabbatical MM over 2022 MM. Like you actually are a much better leader because of this. And the guilt part of it and everything. It's like, I've actually told you this before, but like, I'm so grateful for those first eight, 10 years that we did do what we did. And we were 24, seven, 365. But now that we have kids, we're able to like have the fruits of that labor now. 100%. You have to think about what are you working towards? And for most entrepreneurs, we've talked about this a lot on the podcast. It is the pursuit of some sort of level of freedom. And when you start your business, it is because you wanted to be able to control how you spent your time, who you spent your time with, the type of work that you were doing. So if that's the goal, what are you doing to move yourself towards that type of goal? Maybe you want to be able to do certain things throughout the day that excite you and that are really enjoyable, that allow you to take care of yourself. The option shouldn't be that you're doing all the things you don't enjoy doing constantly, and that never changes. Yes, there's going to be an inevitable certain chapters that require you to be able to do things because either you don't have the support you need or you haven't figured something out or whatever that is. But if you're still doing that, you're five, 10 years in and you're not progressing towards a life that gives you more freedom, well, it's time to re-examine that. Absolutely. So you hinted at question number two, which I don't even think you knew it was coming. I believe this came from one of our coaching clients because they have heard you mention said morning routine. So this listener would like to know, can you walk us through your morning routine and also how do you stay disciplined in doing so? All right, I'll do this. But for those listening, and I know this will be even shared out of context, that I already know what the comments are going to be. Must be nice. Yep. I wish I could spend 
X amount of hours doing those specific things, but some of us have to work and some of us have to do X, Y, Z. And I will tell you that I used to think the same thing too, but it's just simply not true. And I'll explain why. Like, yes, for me, it is, is a privilege to, to not be able to take meetings until noon, but there's not any requirement that would prevent me from doing all the things that I'm doing if that were not the case. You could still do all those things. So I'll share what my routine is. This is just what works for me. I'm not advocating this for anybody else. I'm not trying to get into a debate with anybody in terms of what works and what doesn't work. The question is, what is my routine? Yep. I found it beneficial to me. I've tested things a number of different ways. I encourage people to figure out what works best for them. So for me, there's several components. And I, and I look at it really from the standpoint of, you know, you've got rest, rest and recovery, which is really a function of like sleep and any sort of recovery that you do that's things like sauna or cold plunge or steam room, things like that can help you recover and set you up for the next day. Then there's nourishment, which comes back to like, what are you eating in terms of your diet and nutrition? And then movement, which is really to do with exercise, whether it's cardiovascular exercise or weight training. And if you have the three components and you approach those to try to optimize them every single day, you're going to be in good shape. So for me, I wake up early in the morning. First thing I do in the morning, now this has actually changed recently. So now I actually start off and I'll go on the treadmill or I'll go walk and I'll do basically four or five miles walking just to get moving. Then I'll go into the sauna. This is like really, in most cases, before our girls wake up. But I go in the sauna. I sit there. I cook myself about 185 degrees. While I'm doing this, and this is important, I've realized that you can stack activities together. So, for example, I can walk, but I can also walk on this treadmill-style desk so I can do things that I enjoy. I can play video games. I enjoyed playing video games, but I found that I didn't feel great just sitting on the couch doing it. So my new rule is if I'm going to do that, then I have to do something productive, whether I'm on the treadmill or whether I'm cycling. And I have to combine those two activities so at least I can get steps in. Then, like I said, I go in the sauna. When I'm in the sauna, I'm doing some sort of reading, whether I'm preparing for a podcast, whether I'm preparing for meetings, whether I'm reviewing like company data and things like that. Just in general, I do a lot of like planning in the sauna and I do it as long as I can until it's 185 degrees. So at some point, you just got to get out. At that point, I am, as you'll see in a sauna, you've got the heat shock protein, so you're vasodilated, which means like your blood vessels are expanded. Boom, I go straight into the cold plunge. I'm in the cold plunge for about three and a half minutes. Cold plunge is usually around 40 degrees, maybe like 42, 43 degrees at this point. I'm in the cold plunge for three and a half minutes, and I do that every day. There's never a day that I can't wait to get in. Every day is I can't wait to get out, but I do that. Then I'm just, boom, I'm awake at that point. And at that point, it's usually time to take our daughter to school. I enjoy doing that. I'm sure somebody else could take her to school, but for me, it's important to do it. I happen to get a lot of joy out of that. And also it's time where she and I can really talk. And when you have a four-year-old, this is precious time. From there, when I get back from taking her to school, straight to the gym, I do some sort of weight training, whether it's high-intensity interval training, compound lifts, something like that. And then I will finish it off with some sort of like recovery, whether it's red light therapy or something along those lines, like stretching and that's kind of the morning routine. And then I'll also have a meal, which is usually like a, a protein meal. And usually my first meal of the day is around like noon, a noon, one o'clock. So some would call it intermittent fasting. I didn't know that's what it was. My last meal of the day is usually around like seven or seven thirty. So the first meal being at noon, I guess that's what it is. But outside of that, I focus on, I mean, there's not really a particular diet. It's not like low carb or keto or anything. I mean, the diet's really like Mediterranean. There's really no foods that are off limits, although I don't really eat sugar. I don't drink soda. It's just water. And I don't drink alcohol. So nothing against it. Just for me, I don't like to trade tomorrow for today. So yeah, basically that's kind of the gist of what the routine is. And typically during the week, I am doing this. I mean, I like to do it almost every single day. There's certain things I do every day, like the sauna and the cold plunge, weight training typically, weight training and cardio four or five days a week. And then in the evening, going to bed around 9, 9.30. 
and then getting up around 5, 5.30. So I have kind of a part two extension of that, but what are some of the tools or techniques you've discovered that have made it a little less overwhelming to maintain that level of dedication in your personal life as well as the business? So there's a great book by Ben Hardy, Willpower Doesn't Work. And the gist of the book is really that our environment really dictates our behaviors and our habits. So for example, for me, cutting out sugar is a lot easier when we don't have a lot of sugar in the house. And it's also, if you can set up your environment for success, like I don't think too much about the meals that I eat because we map out those meals for the week. So I know, like I log things, for example, in my fitness pal, which is instead of treating it as a diary of like, okay, I eat this, then I log it. I log the whole day. So I know exactly, okay, here's what's happening for lunch. Here's what's happening for dinner. Here's going to be like a snack, whatever that's already logged and planned for the day. So I can pay attention to what are the macros that I'm taking in, in terms of like proteins, fats, and carbs, and then the number of calories. So For example, my goal over the last 12 to 14 weeks has been I want to do a bit of a fat loss phase and I've been working with my trainer in order to do that. I think another component is I have a lot of help and support. So I do want to mention that. I've got a great trainer that helps me with workouts. We have a chef that creates meals. I have a longevity doctor that also helps me on that front. We do quarterly blood labs and being able to get just feedback on where certain levels are in terms of being able to better optimize for that. So that helps. And again, like I said, I mean, I probably can't say it enough times. This will be an unrelatable podcast to many. This is just what's worked for me. I also don't recommend rolling everything out at once. If I had to drill things down of saying, here's what's been most impactful, I would say that diet and nutrition is probably 90% of it. That is the hardest part is also the most impactful part. You're not going to out-train a bad diet. And I used to think that. I used to think, hey, I work out consistently three, four days a week so I can eat whatever I want and I can eat wings or whatever. You can eat whatever you want. You just may not accomplish your goals. And if your goals are, for example, you want to lose weight, you want to burn fat, the only way to do it, the only way is on a caloric deficit, meaning that you burn more calories than you take in, okay? And we typically significantly underestimate the amount of calories that we take in. So that's number one. The other thing I would say is when you get the nutrition dialed in, perhaps the second most important thing, and I think probably the greatest performance enhancing drug out there, like if you could bottle this up, this would be illegal, is sleep and sleep and recovery. So being able to go to bed consistently at a certain time, wake up consistently at a specific time, having that rhythm is important. We've got an eight sleep, which I highly recommend. We've had their CEO on the podcast, but eight sleep is an awesome mattress that does a lot of like thermoregulation and it gives you a lot of great data. It's what's worked for me. I know you like it too. I know you like eight sleep. Yes. So there's that. And then the third component is doing some sort of like resistance weight training. And that's important, not just because you want to build muscle, but more importantly from longevity. I think one of the greatest things that like limits longevity when you see people, especially as you get middle-aged is fractures and like hip fractures, knee fractures, leg fractures. And it's because the bones are not as strong. So being able to consistently do some sort of resistance training is very important, especially as we age. There's a lot of great content out there from Dr. Peter Atia, Dr. Andrew Huberman, Andy Galpin. They've got great podcasts. They've got Peter Atia has a great book that came out recently. It's called Outlive. So if you're interested in learning more about just kind of the longevity front, because what they talk about is really not so much lifespan, which is how long you live, but more so health span. It's like the life in your years. And it's more important that you can have great functionality and being able to do the things you want to do, whether it's spending time with your kids or your grandkids or going wakeboarding or whatever your goals are, but you can do those things. That's much more important than living to whatever long age, you know, 150 and you're helping off a cliff and you're essentially having all these basically being connected on life support. So yeah. That's what's been helpful to me. I don't recommend starting with everything at once. I added on certain habits. Like I track things in this app called Streaks. I also track steps in an app called Steps app. I mean, it's not super sophisticated. I journal every day with an app called Five Minute Journal. I've been doing that for years. But the most important thing is when I wake up early, it's before typically anybody else has woken up. So it's like that's your time 
It's a lot easier to start a habit then. And then, like I said, the most important things are going to be nutrition, sleep, and then some sort of resistance training. All the other things are going to be ancillary. Like if you don't have a sauna, you don't have to do a sauna. I found it helpful. You know, there've been studies have shown that 20 to 30 minutes a week in the sauna, I believe it's like at 165, maybe 170 degrees or more, it brings about a reduction in all-cause mortality by like 30 to 40%. Yeah. So there's like extreme benefits there. In terms of a cold plunge, there's benefits there in upregulating dopamine, the recovery benefits. There's going to be, I think, a lot of mental benefits to doing something that you don't want to do first thing in the morning. So that's been helpful to me. But again, I like it. I feel great doing it. I think it's important to figure out what types of things make sense for you if you're listening. But before you start dialing in on like supplements and all you know these things and saying, well, I should do red light therapy and I want to do a sauna and I want to do a cold plunge, I would make sure that you've got your nutrition dialed in, you've got sleep dialed in, and you're doing some sort of resistance training. Because if you don't have those three dialed in, you don't have the fundamentals, then the other things are really, I mean, they're just incremental. They're not going to make an exponential impact. Totally. And I feel like you could talk about this forever. And I hope everyone listens to this in context, but that's literally the biggest question I get from any client all the time is tell me more about Michael's routine. So uh, Yeah, they see it. I mean, look, I'm down at this point since the start of the year, I'm 30 pounds. Yeah. And if you saw me then last year, you wouldn't say, hey, I think this guy needs to lose 30 pounds. That wasn't like the main thing. Although I did set a goal this year, the oldest I've ever been, like pretty much everybody listening, we're the oldest we've ever been. And I say, well, what if I could get in the best shape of my life? This would be great to be in better shape than I was in college or any time before that. And then also I've read this interesting statistics. I know people are already going to roll their eyes, but I don't even know if this is true. But I read some sort of study that said that, I don't even know if it was a study, it was some article. So like, if you fact check, this is probably wrong. But this was enough for me to be able to-, to the impetus. The impetus behind a lot of like just moving forward and setting a goal. It was that there are more millionaires, adults in America, than there are adults with six packs. And when you look at that and you think, okay, how difficult is it to become a millionaire? How difficult is it to have a six pack as an adult? And how difficult is it to be both, right? To be the uncommon amongst the uncommon. So I said, what about if I got a six pack this year? Okay. So that was a target for me. And it wasn't through any pressure from you. I think it was fine. So it wasn't even so much about the weight loss. It was really about getting my labs to a certain point. When I look at like blood labs and BO2 max and body fat percentage and visceral fat and like just all the different biomarkers that can tell you whether you're healthy or not and be able to have a great health span. That was the most important thing to me. Everything else really has come as a byproduct of that. But when you look good and you feel good and you're, you know, you've got clarity and you're making better decisions and the business is growing, it's like, well, we're on to something here. I think sometimes we as leaders pride ourselves in terms of our financial success. But I can tell you that perhaps one, you'd be more financially successful if you're always taking care of yourself mentally and physically. And two, I think it's really important that the in matches the out. Meaning that like the way you are in terms of your health is also matching the way you outwardly project yourself. Because if you want to be a successful leader and a CEO, when I see somebody who gets winded going up a flight of stairs, when they're exhausted, when they're eating fast food all day, I think if you had a high performing sports car, you wouldn't put regular fuel in it, right? You just wouldn't do that. And if you had, let's say a house that you had to live in for the next 50, 60, 70 years, how would you take care of that house? And it's, you get one body. So the other thing I think it's really interesting is that when you see somebody who is, let's say in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and they are physically and mentally fit, that to me is the ultimate flex. It's not a Ferrari or a Lamborghini or any of this bullshit. It is, if I see somebody who is like physically and mentally fit, woo, that is such a flex because you can't buy it. No. You cannot buy that. You have to you earn have to it. earn it. Totally. Awesome. Well, that is all we've got time for today. So thank you all for joining AMMA. There you go. 
You've been listening to the Game Changing Attorney Podcast with Michael Mogul. If you found this episode valuable, here are three free ways that we can help you grow your law firm. Download the first chapter of Michael's book at GameChangingAttorney.com. Shoot Michael a text at 404-531-7691 and ask him any question you'd like. You might just hear the answer on the next episode. And finally, leave this podcast a five-star review so we can gain access to more influential thought leaders and bring their lessons learned here to you. For more information on this episode, see the show notes in your podcast app or visit legalpodcast.com. Oh,